The Gilded Age is a period of American history fraught with spectacular troubles and legendary advancements. New technologies flooded the budding nation, and individuals forged from the crucible of the Civil War rose up to seize fame and fortune. Among these Carnegies and Rockefellers was a man by the name of Joseph Thomas Jones, commonly referred to as Captain Jones, the builder and the grand old man of Gulfport. Howdy, I'm Daniel Caton, and this is Room Mississippi, a podcast written, recorded, and produced by students at Mississippi School of Mathematics and Science. Now I can hear all of you asking the burning question, what's this Jonesville I got to do with me? This is the question I faced just a few short months ago, and to answer it, I turned to Mr. Reagan Grimsley, a historian at the University of Alabama, who is best equipped to inform us all about Jones. Unfortunately, I had to cut out much of the interview for the sake of time, but Mr. Grimsley's knowledge still shines through, despite the brevity. Yeah, so Joseph Thomas Jones was uh, really kind of an average guy who grew up and after the war, uh, really, I think, through his determination, became a Gilded Age um, entrepreneur. Um, Not as well known as maybe Carnegie or Rockefeller, uh, but he was the the same uh, type of, of guy. He grew up in Pennsylvania. The biggest determining factor of Jones's early years is the death of his father by yellow fever. This left his mother as a sole caretaker and provider for the family. While other children enjoyed lives with large families and stable farm work, Jones ran about the streets of Philadelphia hunting for cash to help support his family. Not letting this unfortunate start bog him down, Jones was able to scrounge up enough education to get an apprenticeship with an engineer, securing a better future for himself and his family. This dogged determination, noted by Grimsley, is a trait that the young captain would keep with him all his life. It is what allowed him to succeed later on. Uh, fought in the Civil War, was injured pretty severely in the in the Civil War. Jones joined the war effort on September 10, 1861, only a few months after the war started, as a member of Company H of the 91st Regiment of Pennsylvania Volunteers. During the war, Jones fought in battles such as the Battle of Cold Harbor, where Jones got his lifelong fudge injury, and the Battle of Fredericksburg, where he and his group of ragtag volunteers ran headfirst into rifle and cannon fire, and a charge of the stone wall. A charge that left over 12,000 Union soldiers dead. It is worth noting that Jones gave up the hard-earned engineering education in order to fight in this bloody conflict, and that many of the difficulties that he faced later on in life would originate from the selfless and peculiar decision. Uh, so his opportunities were, were limited afterwards, and he got into the oil business. And he got into the oil business at just the right time. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't have a lot of luck early on. <laughs> he, he drilled 12... 12 wells and was in a great deal of debt because none of them panned out. But that 13th well netted him about $90,000 and he wound up owning hundreds of oil wells and that was the, initially the way that he made his fortune. Imagine drilling your 10th hole while on crutches. Your injured foot is screaming at you to sit down. The citizens of the local town call you Dry Hole Jones and mock you for your apparent insanity. Meanwhile, the debt that you accrued for performing this fruitless venture is practically deeper than the holes you're digging. It was a situation that would break many men. In fact, it was only the determination and willpower built by his early years that kept Jones together during this time. It was worth it, too. Jones was soon ranking amongst the wealthiest men in America. But he parlayed that into becoming a businessman who owned operations in Pennsylvania, um, in the Niagara Falls region of Buffalo. Uh, he owned silver in silver mines out west and in South America. Um, oil, uh, uh, another oil well down in Sistersville, West Virginia, and then finally came to the Gulf Coast and became involved with the 
uh, Gulf and Ship Island Railroad in Mississippi later in his life. This is when Jones decided to start the city of Gulfport, and the things he accomplished were extraordinary. The hardships and struggles that came with the venture were monumentous. Think of the effort needed to clear miles of swamplands and really construct the port. It was challenges like these that threatened to halt the project before it even began. William Harris Hardy had been able to un had been unable to get funding to complete the railroad. He had tried New York. He had tried England. Uh, Jones gets wind of this and takes an interest in it, and within two or three years, has bought the entire thing out. Um, and when he buys it out, he becomes, I guess I would use the word enamored with the Gulf Coast and just pours money into it. Uh, and whenever I say that, you know, it's in his day, millions of dollars, what today would probably be hundreds of millions of dollars is invested in not only the railroad, but to make the railroad successful, you have to dredge a uh, ship channel out past Ship Island. And, you know, if you've ever taken the ride out to Ship Island, it's kind of a ways out there. Uh, so they had to dig that entire channel out to make it deep enough for ships to come in. And the federal government opposed this. Um, before Jones came in, uh, they had tried to get the federal government to say that it was going to be a possible U.S. port and they couldn't get federal funding for it. So Jones uh, finally gets just a little bit, like $150,000 worth of federal funding, but the rest of it he pays a, for on his own. And only because he is wealthy is he able to do this. No, no other ordinary person will be able to do it. Um, uh, probably nobody in Mississippi at the time had the, had the capital to do that on their own. Um, but he also builds other amenities. Um, he builds a, you know, a railroad stations, not only in Gulfport, but one in Hattiesburg. He builds hotels, the Great Southern Resort there in Gulfport, um, golf courses, a yacht club, electric generating facilities, um, a trolley that runs from past Christiane out to Biloxi. Uh, and, and I mean, these are these are just some of the things that that without his money they would have never have happened. When you ask the common pedestrian in Gulfport, who is Joseph Thomas Jones? Not many can answer you, which is insane. Here's this huge historical figure who completely altered the history of the state, the entire nation by extension, and nearly nobody knows about him. His railroads allowed for great trade within and without the state. The port he built made Mississippi a part of international trade. He was part of the group that helped brought Mississippi out of the dark ages that the Civil War brought us. My goal with this podcast was to share my passion for underappreciated history. Historical heroes like Jones. Next time you visit Gulfport, it would be cool if you could drop by the corner of Highway 90 and 21st Avenue and have a gander at the statue of Jones there, if only to see that glorious marble mustache. And if you have some spare time, Drop by your local library and give Captain Jones, the biography of a builder by Melodia Riley, a read-through. You can also look at Reagan Grimsley's journal article in the 2014 Volume 76, Number 1 and Number 2 of the Journal of Mississippi History to get a more in-depth look into Jones' life. I am Daniel Caton, and this is Real Mississippi. If you'd like to learn more about the top-ranked school in Mississippi and one of the best public high schools in the nation, you go to themsms.org. That's T-H-E-M-S-M-S dot